Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's bi-weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, recorded at the PW offices in New York City. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm also co-editor of PW Comics World, as well as the graphic novels review editor for Publishers Weekly and the editor-in-chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm their podcast producer. This week on More to Come, free comic book day. Uh, We're going to take a look at graphic novels in libraries. Um, The week in comics uh, conventions. Uh, Look ahead at TCAF. Uh, look at Comics Alliance uh, being shut down, the controversy around the outhouse and back blacklisting, and we'll chat a little bit about Iron Man 3. So, free comic book day. So, have you guys, did you guys do free comic book day this year? I never do it. I never, I never get to leave the house. So, I, I heard about it though, it looked like it was great. <laughs> I, I bounced around, I tried to get to one comic shop and I did, I got to Forbidden Planet, and it was bustling, uh, the uh, free comic book seemed to be long gone. Uh, by the time I got there in the early afternoon, but uh, the place was jammed. Uh, it was packed with kids and adults, and uh, everyone seemed to be having a, a damn good time. Yeah, I tried to get over to Hanley's, uh, which isn't called Hanley's anymore. It's JHU Comic Books, but it's moved to a new location, I which is a buzzerly. Yeah, they changed their name, a little rebranding. But um, uh, anyway, I never got over there, but uh, I heard it was uh, lying around the block. So, uh, you know, amazing. I heard, uh, you know, definitely uh, excitement. I mean, media coverage was everywhere. Yes. It was, um, Lots you know. Lots of stuff in my Twitter feed and yeah. on my Facebook feed. People seem to be having the damnedest time. Yeah. And, yeah. And um, what about you, Kate? Well, I <laughs> led my traditional comic shop tour of my various buddies around. Our free comic book day correspondent. <laughs> yes, uh, and then you know, hit up the latest Marvel movie, which in this year's case is Iron Man three. More on this More later. Later, yes. And the first place I hit was a brand new store that I found about through the beat, actually, uh, Carmine Street Comics. It's still a little bit under construction. Um, they haven't actually put up all the shelves yet. They're not really sure where they're going to put some of the books. Uh, they took over half of a bookstore, which has a really long title. It's something like. Something, something non-imperialist used books. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Seems so, like a lefty bookstore gone bad, but go on. <laughs> it's, it's, it's half vaguely political bargain books. Hmm. And then there's a the little divider wall. And then the other half is a comic book store. Hmm. With, for all that it was on the small side. I mean, it's, it's half the size of the office we're in now. Not that you, the listener, can see it. <laughs> um, really had a, quite a good variety in its selections, and I look forward to them getting more stuff yeah. One uh, thing that they had going on for Free Comic Day and will be a regular feature of the store is they have a little desk in the window where um, they have basically live comic art mm-hmm. sessions where pretty much any time you go in there, there will be some comic artist drawing something. <laughs> oh, cool. Studio space on, on display. Well, yeah. you know, Harlan Ellison long ago used to sit in the window of uh, the science fiction book stop uh, writing. So, you know, it's a continuation of the tradition, you know. Oh, it's certainly more visual. I mean, yes, you definitely. definitely, definitely. You know, I, I think it's interesting that it opened up a shared space with a indie bookstore because mm-hmm. we've been talking about uh, a lot about uh, comic shops as indie bookstores sure. and uh, I, that's interesting so that's to me. A, a nice step yeah. into the yeah, 21st there's, century. Yeah. There's a little... I mean, there is a divider wall, but you can get from one to the other mm-hmm. inside the shop. So there's sort of 
quasi-neighbor. Co-location. Yeah, co-location. Okay. And you, I think you've got some recordings. Uh, yes, I have a recording from well. there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from two other shops I hit, I went to um, St. Mark's Comics and then up to Forbidden Planet. And then I went to Midtown Comics, but I was told no comment because no one in the store at the time was authorized to speak to me as the press. Right, right. Well, did you go to Midtown Midtown Comics? I know, such a controversial, yeah. hard-hitting reporter, too. I, I know. <laughs> it's so terrifying to be yeah, asked, so how was Free Comic well, Book Day this year? Exactly. Did it go well? It's um, obviously a trick question. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly. But, you know, they still had comics at Midtown Comics. Free comics, I mean. But the it was the Midtown location, right? Midtown because I know location. they had their big event at their downtown location. They had big events all day there. They had Jim yeah. Lee and Scott Snyder were signing. So yeah. I, I'm sure they had, you know, a, a nice crowd there. Yeah. Oh, for well, that. they still had a nice yeah. crowd. When I went there um, after seeing the movie at like 9 o'clock at night, they still really? had free comics yeah. left. Mm-hmm. Not all of them, just the, the big two. Yeah. Know, the DC and the Marvel one. Mm-hmm. And um, they still were doing brisk business. Well, you know, it sounds great. One of these days, I've got to really do free comic (laughs) book day. It just just ends up that I always have some other commitment that I can't break for free comic book day. But well, conveniently, I have some of my free comic books along with me. Oh, well, there you go. I would love that. There you go. Well, uh, needless to say, I mean, free comic book day has simply turned into an amazing event. You know, I think a few days ago, or a few Mm. years ago, people were asking whether they still needed Free Mm. Comic Book Day, but obviously it was a huge uh, success this year. I mean, it just grows and grows, and and, uh, seems to fit in with the vibe with Iron Man, which which we'll talk about in a little bit later, but, um, you know, it's not free for everybody. Retailers have to buy those free comic books, although at a very reduced rate, so they do subsidize the joy of getting the free comics, but... Uh, as a promotional event, it, it really has become the National Comic Book Holiday. And this year co- combined with uh, Star Wars Day. So it was National <laughs> yes, Nerd May Day. May the 4th. So, yeah. yes, so. The 4th, fourth be with you. National Geek Day. Yeah, oh, the, the, National the, Speech Impediment Day, perhaps. But yeah. uh, anyway. Uh, all right. Uh, oh, oh, yes, and I ran into a fellow PW person at uh, Carmine Street Comics, uh, Matt White, our very own. Ah, That's there you go. Yeah. The gang's so all here. We're out trolling uh, the streets of New York to, to make sure they're safe for comic books. <laughs> That's what we do here, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Moving uh, right ahead uh, to really, this is just a, a great topic. Graphic novels and libraries. Uh, Heidi's done a fabulous uh, feature story in Publishers Weekly this week and up on our website. Make sure you go check it out, publishersweekly.com. Um, but Heidi, why don't you give us a little cheat sheet? Well, I really uh, just worked on a... I, I kind of wanted to write a big overview of the graphic novels in library story, or as our copy editor called it, uh, the oral history of graphic novels in libraries. <laughs> because I talked to uh, uh, nearly a dozen people for this story and uh, worked on it for quite a while, so it was uh, uh, quite an undertaking. But I, I wanted to just get a, a look at... How libraries are, are, how graphic novels are faring in different kinds of libraries, public libraries, school libraries, and, uh, institutional libraries. And it uh, turns out they're doing great. And I think what really impressed me about this is, uh, we talk about sales, sales charts all the time, and diamond sales charts are perused, you know, religiously for, uh, charts, you know, up or down, or how they're doing, how the sales are doing. And, you know, librarians keep circulation charts that are the equal or better than diamond i mean it's like everyone has at their fingertips like statistics and and 
uh, you know, all kinds of facts Library and figures. Cards are magic. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. But I mean, librarians love statistics, and uh, they go to school and learn about them. In fact, so uh, it's not like this is a mystery. I mean, we—it's not like oh, we're saying oh, maybe graphic novels do well or people like them. I mean, we have the statistics to back this up that it is in most of the libraries where they have a, a strong collection. It's the number one circulated part of the library or if not number one it's right up there with movies and paranormal romance so which are the hottest topics going so i mean it's not it it's very hot it's very very hot in libraries and uh, you know as people like to say there's 2,000 comic shops but there's 89,000 library branches now of course libraries are facing a lot of budget cuts of their own unfortunately but um this is good for everybody. It's good for libraries to get more people checking out books and reading books. It's good for comics to be selling more copies to libraries and having more people read them. So anyway, that's what I tried to point out in this article, and I, I seem to have gotten, a, you know, it's a, gotten a good response so far. And one other, one other notion about um, libraries also is that libraries send people to buy books. To yes, they do. They do. It is a massive sampling venue. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the, the notion that somehow or other... Uh, people uh, that libraries buy books uh, uh, from publishers and, and just lend them out, but but the the patrons also leave and go to stores to buy books too. So this is this is a boost for the entire industry. I'm no, sorry, Kate, I'm I sorry, Kate, yes. I, I, yes, I was going to say that if you want to find a story online, the title is "How Graphic Novels Became the Hottest Section in the Library." Yes, if you go to PW, it'll be right there on the on the front page for now or in the library section you'll find it also in the comic section so um yeah and i'm going this weekend to tcaf where they're having a day for librarians and educators uh with panels on various topics and um this is i, I just i mean i feel like this is where the action is right now i just feel like this is a huge growing growing area um i think people who aren't on board with it soon will be on board with it uh i do cover digital lending in there uh some controversy really i mean digital lending is a huge question for all libraries um uh you know to be more to come on that um but libraries find themselves in conflict with prose publishers about the ability to lend uh right ebook versions of, of titles at all uh, I mean, most book publishers still seem to believe that somehow or other uh, lending a book is losing a sale. Right. Um, librarians have been invested very heavily over the last three years to develop data to show just the opposite. Um, but also, um, um, lost my train of thought there, but oh, never mind. Well, it's complicated. <laughs> Whenever we start talking uh, about digital lending in libraries, a lot of people's yeah. eyes glaze over. Because oh, well, my say, point was having this. borrowed books digitally yeah. from a library... It's great. Kate's yeah, done it? Wow. How do you do it? Do you put your iPad under the scanner? I mean, how do you do it? Well, it's very easy. You just download this little app, and you enter uh, your library's card number and select what your library is. And, and then you see what they have digitally. I see. see. What they have digitally, wow. Or search for it, and you say, I want to borrow this. Or if somebody else is borrowing this digital book at the same time, you uh, put a hold on it. Yes, digital lending and borrowing is pretty much like physical borrowing. It's yeah. usually one of the uh, unfortunately onerous uh, uh, restrictions that publishers put on li- library of, uh, lending in that you have to borrow digital books the same way you right. borrow physical right. books. They can be all out, but they're not. The convenient thing is that you don't actually need to go to the library every day looking for them. You can just you can look, online. Yeah, look at you- them on your... But Can some of the new models that Heidi talks about actually would eliminate that problem, actually, because they're 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 charging the library 
per checkout. And uh, in those instances where they're cloud-based, actually, there aren't those kinds of restrictions. Right. Oh, uh, I was going to say, do you know what service you use to download the books? Were they offered through OverDrive or through yeah, some... OverDrive. Through OverDrive, right. Yeah, because OverDrive a lot of... Great. Well, yeah, but a lot of libraries don't like it because OverDrive charges you something like, you know, $80 for one digital copy of a book. Like, wow. they charge a... Sur- I have no a, idea. Yes. Costly. It's Very costly. Was, but that's pretty... Jarred yeah, up. yeah. I know it's costly and they, and they well, don't you know, have a... competition. Yeah. The inventory is not... And they also do broad. things like uh, to keep the availability of the digital copy artificially low they say once it's checked out 20 times it has to be replaced so i mean it's it's sort of like uh it's weird i mean no wonder your eyes glaze over and you lose your train of thought but uh it more is coming it will be uh because more and more people are going to want digital material and graphic novels again uh, yeah it's the first frontier so anyway i tried to just really cover a lot of this stuff and just kind of set uh set the i don't want to say set the bar i just wanted to get the facts out there so that they could be uh, re- reference. Start the conversation. Start conversation yeah. or, or, yes, yeah, start the conversation. And, and I guess really, that's what, what I was trying to say and forgot a few minutes ago is that really li- libraries and librarians are one of the key pillars that really kind of help comics oh, break out of, out of their sort of marginal existence uh, in the 90s through the 2000s to really become the kind of broad-based Yes, you know, and, and I, and I think that the, li- the generation of librarians so. of, that we have now are just such tireless champions for comics that, I mean, it's 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 unbelievable. It's just unbelievable how the much they love comics. And people wonder where the next generation of comic fans are going to come from because, you know, you can't get in your comic books mm-hmm. in the supermarket or anything. But guess what? Parents may not take their kids to comic book stores, but they do take them to the yes. library. Yes, even though library budgets are being slashed left and right because it's not, because uh, people are stupid. But, uh, you know, I had a wonderful conversation. There was so much material I couldn't get into the piece. And I had a great conversation with uh, Christian Zabriskie, who is a librarian in Queens uh, mm-hmm. and locally. And uh, he his library serves kids of all creeds, colors. I mean, it's Queens. It's incredibly mixed. And uh, he says they, they love comics. And it's really important for them to see uh, heroes of their different, of their own race. I mean, he was saying about how um, Campfire's books that feature uh you, you know indian yeah. mythology like those books are very popular because there's a huge south asian um population at his library so i i mean it's like there, there's a comic that's why there need to be comics for everyone it's because everyone yeah, likes comics yeah. everyone likes comics when you get them out there uh and you know there's so much there's so much more attention for them but but anyway and i think publishers are getting getting wise to this and and it's it's Eventually. it's, it's all it's so. all good. It's all good is what I was trying to say. So hopefully. So go check it out. It's an awesome piece. All right, moving right along. Uh, the week in comics. Committees. Well, uh, this uh, that week or the past week. Uh, I, I mean, <laughs> last weekend. Well, they're just you know we're thick and we're in the thick yeah. of of con season. And I think this last weekend there wasn't much because it was free comic book day. But the weekend before we had C two E two in yes. Chicago. We also had Stumptown. I was at C two E two. We had Portland. Uh, Stumptown, uh, the Calgary Expo in Calgary, Canada, which isn't really a comic show, but it had an incredible comics guest list. And I, just the idea also, was it this weekend? No, that was last weekend. They had a Heroes convention up in the Bronx or yes, something. Yes, yeah, there was, yes. there's like I so many, yeah, there's so many, so many events, but, uh, C2E2, um, it's fourth year really finally hit its stride and, and, uh, drew over 50,000 mm. people. 
Uh, even though DC didn't even have a booth. And, and Artist Alley was huge and teeming with people buying things. I, I wrote about this last week and, uh, in, uh, there's an article. They stole the, the show and they and did steal the show. Stole all the sales they did too, steal the show. Yes, they did. And <laughs> I, I think really it just showed that the, that people don't like going to McCormick Place. Uh, Calvin, you went to the first C2E2, right? The first one, Only yeah. the first one, right? Yeah. And believe me, that was like, you know, just a tiny drop of, of people, an eyedropper yes, full of people. It was underattended. It was very underattended. This one could not be said and, uh, but it, but, I guess what I'm trying to get at in my confused way is what impressed me about it was that people were there to soak up the culture, uh, to dress up in their costumes, to, to have go, the to experience. have the Comic Con experience. But I, it's, 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 it's a personal transaction now. I think people are really want to meet the, the artists, the creators, or dress up and express themselves. I don't think they need the middlemen so much anymore. So I mean, I don't think it's, you know, but they're going to get free stuff from DC or Marvel. Obviously, they're going to want to do that. But, but I think it's, it's, it's. Exactly. If I'm not mistaken, they were complaining about sales. I mean, the, uh, traditional publishers were complaining about sales at the first one. Oh yes, so they're, it's interesting it's, that they're still complaining. Well, that's because it's it's one. never been it's never been that yeah. that big because I think it's an expensive show to get to. Yeah. You know, if you're local, it costs a lot. You either have to park, or you have to take the train, or you know, you're probably going to park because. But if you're not local, it's even worse because it's not. I mean, if you're a, a lot of the publishing industry is in New York, right? right. And some of it's in Los Angeles, and neither of them are in Chicago. So I can see how it would be a huge price point for the publishers to sell. Well, right. It's not cheap for them to attend. So they need to get more complaints when they they don't make giant piles of money. Exactly. One of the reasons why, you know, BEA is not held in Chicago Mm -hmm. anymore. Right. uh, Because the the publishers complain about the cost. Of course, they complain about the cost here in New York. Yes, they, because it's very expensive to take a cab to the Javits. They have to pay for travel as the employees and can actually send more people here. I I think what C2E2 showed me, and again, I mentioned this in my article, but, uh, there was a, uh, they have had a sizable, uh, science fiction fantasy author, uh, turnout, uh, the last few years. Um, they, like, there was a few publishers set up there. Uh, I mentioned Quirk Books. They did quite well. So mm-hmm. I, I think we've been talking about how BEA is becoming more like Comic-Con. And I think C2E2 is it's becoming this kind of hybrid show. But, I yeah. mean, it's positioned in a place yeah. that used to hold the BEA. And, I mean, this could become a place where people meet their favorite authors. You know? Mm-hmm. And I, I keep saying that's the transaction that people want to have. So so I think it was a very successful show. But I, I think the ways that it's evolved out of just this idea of being a Comic-Con where Marvel and DC rule the roost. I think it's very interesting for other shows uh, I, moving I forward. Comic-Cons are evolving that way, even as we watch just in the last few years. Mm-hmm. I mean, what you hear more coming out of a con are, I mean, yes, they're the big announcements mm-hmm. from the big publishers, but more than that, you hear, you know, oh, this artist was there, that artist mm-hmm. was there, they did this, they did that, they had some special thing going, you know, little one-on-one mm-hmm. yeah. things. Yeah. I mean, just as many people come, but because we have the internet funneling us comic right. information 24-7, the need to like pick up a flyer with a picture of some comic that's coming out in two months, it's just not there anymore. Right, that's right. And uh, I, I, I think um, 
And now I lost my train of thought. So, but uh, but no, I, well, th- could I think. Could you tell us a little bit about the retailer summit? Just a little bit because you did. You also reported from C2E2. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that the was market that really was, growing. Yes, the market was definitely yeah. growing. And uh, since that report was written, the sales figures for April came out, and comics are up in double digits from last year. I mean, wow. it's under twenty percent. It's about fifteen percent in most categories. Now, this, despite the fact that the top selling comics are lower than they were a year ago. So, like, this is the... I, I, I don't know if I can it's describe broader, this. It's broader. I, it's, I guess it is broader. I think the... Uh, the There is more... I mean, Walking Dead is huge, uh, but Image had a huge month. They have a new book by Mark Miller. They have a new book by J. Michael Straczynski coming out. Um, continued Saga sales, of yes. course, is booming. Um, you know, books by Ed Brubaker. I mean, they just have an amazing lineup. and It's, it's less bestseller-driven yes. and more... Content driven, yeah. yeah. I mean, for lack of a better word, it seems as though what you're saying is that there's a broader variety of stuff that's selling reasonably well, even if it isn't selling. Right, and what's interesting, especially about this last month's sales, is that graphic novels were also up, even though there wasn't really a big hit last Mm -hmm. year. I mean, uh, and several books that were in their second months were in the top ten. So we're seeing a lot of continued sales, continued. Backlist titles, um, reorder titles. It's very healthy. It's a yeah. growing, growing market. And it's I mean, like a, a healthy and artistically healthy. Market. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, I think people are still concerned about Marvel and DC being at the top because they are using a lot of variant covers and double shipping and all these sort of things to keep their their sales figures yeah, at a certain level. But uh, we lived through the nineties. Right. Well, I think that is a concern that those are just going to burn out like they did in the 90s. But uh, most of the retailers I talked to felt that they had learned the lessons of the past in some ways and that if it did collapse, it wouldn't be as as harmful as it was in the 90s right. because they're, not, there's a, the they're not as depending. They're yes. not as dependent on it. Speaking of variant covers, I at Free Comic Book Day, I was looking at the various comics and it, I was amused to note that there were a number of comics that had Iron Man variant covers, which do not contain any Iron Man inside the book. Well, people like Iron Man, I guess. It's it's true, but it's... Isn't that called bait and switch? (laughs) Otherwise known as Wolverine publicity. (laughs) (laughs) The variant cover of Hawkeye has no Hawkeye on the cover, only Iron Man, and I assure you that on the inside there is no Iron Man. Well, these are the things... Not even a cameo. These are the things that consumers uh, began become jaded about, and this is a danger for Marvel and DC. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Well, P.T. Barnum lives. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, speaking of uh, the opposite of P.T. Barnum, uh, this weekend is TCAF, the Toronto yes. Comics Arts Festival, where I will again be going. And uh, as I said, there's a whole day for librarians and educators. Um, this is I rapidly becoming, I feel, the alternative to San Diego. If you look mm. at the international lineup of creators who are there, there's two amazing. amazing creators it's from amazing Japan one. who are there, and cu- including, now I'm going to say his name, Gengora Tagame, who did this really kind of scary, uh, oh, yes, gay, erotic, gay, uh, or, but like BDSM, bear, gay, Japanese porn. It's really a very frightening book. In fact, it gave me a nightmare. But, um, <laughs> Uh, but he's there, and there's a whole bunch of events about this book. Yeah. Uh, and there's also uh, cover your kids' eyes. <laughs> yes, do not, not all ages, not repeat, not all it's ages. Pretty amazing. Yeah. Well, you know what? Half is all ages, but not yes, all of its yes, features yes, are. Yes, yes, but also Taiyo Matsumoto, the creator yes. of Tekken Concrete and a new book, Sunny, which is awesome. Uh, I mean, he's a huge, uh, really major figure. And if you look at the, you look at the TCAP site. They have got the launch. I mean, they were launching so many books there, and I mean, I, I also give 
kudos to that website. It is. Yeah. It's so right. well organized and up to date from what I can tell. But just the listing of books, so you can go to that and you get a real clear idea of the amazing range of stuff that's going to be launched. Yeah. It's yeah. really great. It's, it's, it's just an amazing event. And, uh, they, but you know, even as great as it is, they just finished doing their programming this weekend. I know because I got asked to be on two panels this weekend. So, you know, when you're that great that you can do your panels at the last minute, but the spotlight on artists is just amazing. Um, although, uh, one, I'm only going to remember the one who isn't coming blutch because he had a passport problem, but, uh, from Europe, uh, Uli Lust from Germany is coming, uh, Rutu Modan from Israel, um, you know, French Boulet will be there. Uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, I wish you could all come. I am, um, I next time. I, I want I you guys, well, I eventually. am telling you, if you want to take, if you were to go on, on your own dime, this is the show to go to, and it's right. not that expensive. Uh, it's, it's comics, Mecca, North America. Alright. Sounds great. Uh, Comics Alliance, shut down. Um, well, Jump in anyone. Okay, basically, um, Comics Alliance is the comic news site Comics Alliance, which we quite like, and which... Um, shut down some, by AOL, I should mm-hmm. say. Yes. Yeah. Along with uh, their music sites, I think, at the time. Yes. Well, down. basically... A bunch of people yeah. shut down. Okay, and laid let's rewind. Yeah. Comics Alliance is a, or was, a comics news site. Uh, one of their top writers used to be one of our top writers yeah. here. Laura Hudson, who yes. really launched the site, yeah. And um, it was very popular, but unfortunately, apparently, not making enough money for AOL. No, that's not what happened. Yeah, no, happened. no, that's not what happened. They just wanted to rebrand uh, their their you know offerings. You know, I mean, that's what happened. They had a new top person come in, and she just said they don't want these music sites or, or comics alliance. I, I mean, it wasn't a question of its traffic being down. I'm not sure how much money it was making. Well, I was talking more money, right? Traffic. But I, but I, you know, I mean, it, it wasn't like it had changed. You know, it mm-hmm. hadn't suddenly become. Less profitable and more profitable. It's just a really a branding thing for AOL, and uh, I mean they shut down all the music sites too. So you know it's yes. part of a whole wholesale purge, I think. Uh, yeah, it's hard to me. It's hard to figure out. They 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 built such a reputation there. Um, I mean, it's interesting. Maybe the Laura them. leaving. I mean, Laura eventually left to go to Wired magazine. Yeah. Uh, maybe that was. Kind of the opening of the had, day. They still had some big names. They did, absolutely. I mean, they got a reputation there, comes to life. for a very thoughtful commentary. Yeah, um, you know, Eisner uh, nominated. Yes, yeah, I'm not. I'm but yeah, you know, I think this just goes to show that uh, when you're owned by a corporation, corporations change their mind on a dime, you know, and, and that's just yeah. how it is. They shut things down. I mean, look at, um, I noticed that, uh, oh, tools of change. Like to that, to what, what, yes. yeah. Yeah, and that's definitely not shutting down because it was losing. No, money. it is. It's, it's a phenomenal. But, but just money. explain, yeah. I mean, just to put this, I mean, I brought it up, but Calvin, you go every year. So. Yeah, well, I mean, I went to the very first one. Uh, well, the Tools what, of Change, I mean, is tools, of change? tools of Change is a basically a digital publishing conference and really one of the early ones that really kind of defined what has become the known as the digital publishing yeah. uh, conference circuit. Uh, and as someone who goes to all of or it seems like all of them. Uh, uh, TLC was kind of a prototype in many ways. Uh, it was started by O'Reilly Media um, and Tim O'Reilly. Yeah, uh, if you're not yeah. familiar with and him, he's, he's like a, a big, huge dominion. But 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 I, I mean, the point is, like just last week, they said, you know what, we're not going to do it anymore. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, not that that has anything so, to do with Comics Alliance, but I I mean, you know, I just to me, in a wall where yeah, I think in this in their case, it may have been a, be a little different. You never know how how really interesting corporate hierarchies are in comics as a whole. Right. I think at the end of the day, very often, 
uh, corporate heads, it, they can take it or they can leave it. Right. And generally, the money and or traffic really doesn't drive them the way the kinds of numbers that they yes. really want. And also, if you look at the history of these sites, well. like so many of them have been morphed or shut down also. I mean, Time, long ago, launched Techland, which doesn't exist anymore. Mm. Um, that hired many of the same superstars, yeah. you know, Graham McMillan, Douglas Walk. They were all working yeah. for Techland. Not anymore. Long gone. Uh, you know, MTV Geek. Uh, this is a site that started out as kind of a comics-y mm. sort of thing, and now it's sort of comics-y, techy movie. I mean, it's sure. kind of morphed out a lot. Well, it's very successful. That that site you know, is good. Attack of the Show when it was still absolutely on air, fresh ink. You know, mm-hmm. it was a part. It was a segment. It right. was a part of the on-air uh, uh, show. Eventually, Fresh Ink drifted. It was a, it was an online web series, and now, of course, the whole thing's gone. Yeah. You yeah. know, and and their comics coverage. Went from really fabulous over the course of about five years to significant, but just it kind of disappeared on air. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, now air gone, and now it's gone. And now G4 is gone forever. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah, it's, it's gone. That's over. So, so, you know, it uh, changes. The only way, and, and yeah, I think the people who were at Comics Alliance are most concerned about all that content, you know, and that yes. is the eternal yeah, problem. All the stuff they write. Well, it's yeah. still there for now, yeah. but for how long, you yeah. know? Are they going to be allowed, and you know, as... Will they be allowed to take it themselves? Abs- yeah, and you know, websites? as someone who's moved her content three or four times, and each time with a new crisis... Uh, or disaster of some sort. I mean, that's not very easy. And yeah. I mean, if I hadn't owned my own content at the beat all along, it wouldn't have even been possible, you know? So I, I definitely feel for them. But, you know, my motto is do it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I just don't or think... Or just accept what comes along with your paycheck. Yeah, exactly, you uh, know? Yeah, it's kind of the deal. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, Comics Alliance, R.I.P. Um, yeah. Uh, but speaking of corporate comics and journalism, let's talk about the outhouse. <laughs> yes, and blacklisting. But you know what? I have heard uh, several different accounts of this, and the word blacklist... Well, well that's s- what's being used. So far, the outhouse says that a DC Comics representative told them that they were being blacklisted yes. because of their satirical content. And yes. my understanding is that the word blacklist was not used. And if you read several accounts of this... Uh, it was Alex Segura. I'll be honest, he was the only guy from DC Marketing who was at the show, so that was reported. And if you know Alex Segura, we've all worked with him, uh, I just, I just don't think that's the kind of word he would use. Well, well, well but, put it but this way, whether you use the word or not, if somebody tells you, and we don't know that that actually happened, mm-hmm. although that's what they said happened, that's what the outhouse said happened, if, uh, if, Someone comes to you, a publisher, and says, you can't talk to any of our well, artists. Well, that's not if what that's actually what well, That's what the article said. Well, that's what that's the article what said. That's what their article yes. said. Yes. Uh, now, once again, we're reporting what the outhouse true. says. Whether yeah. that is actually what I happened... Think, I think you have to take says. a big grain of salt about that. I think if you uh, read between the lines of what happened, um, I think it's... I think there's a real issue here in that they are not considered an outlet that's big enough to get certain interviews, okay? Yeah. And that is, but that's just the way it is. Yeah. I mean, you but know. That's different from we uh, disapprove of your previous content, therefore you shall have no more. Exactly. And but I we don't know. Now, should we what tell happened. people a little bit more about the outhouse? I mean, it seems to be, I mean, I don't read it all the time. I dip in here and there. Most of what I read are sort of wacky. It's sort of like pieces. the onion. It's sort of yeah. like the onion for comics yes. yeah. with a snarky, lot of satirical, snarky pieces. pieces. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, well, they, I think the last thing I read on Saturday was that the, um, the, uh, they, uh, an article about how the, 
Israel, Israel, Israel bombed Syria to stop Shazam. Right. Uh, yeah. But that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, and and they're very critical of DC Comics. <laughs> I mean, my own coverage of this, I think it's more significant that the Outhouse decided that it's more that that they were better off doing their own original content than they were just getting, <laughs> yeah. you know, dinky. Uh, interviews that everybody else had. Yeah. And that's what you find you do also. I mean, as, as we do ourselves, it's yeah. like, oh, guess who? So-and-so is doing a new book. Do you want to interview them? Why, yes, sure. Then 50 other people interviewed the person. And, you know, between the 50 interviews, there's like one really great interview, but the same question is asked usually yeah. 40 times. So, you know, I mean, the similarity of content is... is uh, it, It's hard to escape. So, I, I mean, to me, the outhouse... Like, I, I mean, there's no question but that bigger companies pick their outlets. And, I mean, would you rather have your story in USA Today or The Outhouse? I mean, considering the name of the publication. Yeah. I mean, let's, <laughs> just, let's just put it that way. You know, should The Outhouse be allowed uh, access to material that everybody else has? Why, well, yes. Yeah. You know, are they going to get this favorite? This week at The Outhouse. Yes. Jim Lee. Exactly. Yeah, does, right. <laughs> right. Doesn't thrill a publicist. Well... I mean, we don't know what went down. No, we no, don't. We don't. And I'm just saying, I we haven't really heard DC's yeah. start of the story. But exactly. anyway, continue, Kate. I'm, I'm sorry. sure they'd be love to yes, quote, yes. give us a quote on it. Yeah. But but yeah. that's it. We're 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 Theori- tearing okay. this down. No, no, no. Whatever Kate has. Okay, yeah, so let's me. let's speak theoretically. Theoretically, if a online publication that was perceived as being disrespectful to a comic company was forbidden future interviews. What would you think about that? Well, I mean, that's happened to me. Sure, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I would think, yeah. well, that's Tuesday. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. It absolutely happens. I mean, the sense from this article in the outhouse is yeah. that somehow or other there's a standing, you know, line in the sand has been drawn on the corporate side saying, well, we don't like what, the way you write about things and don't like the way you write about us. And so you can't talk to any of our, our artists if that's what what's happened. Now, that's a little different. I've tried to get um, interviews, and sometimes I have not been able to get it from a whole variety of publishers. Uh, that says I've never ran into an across-the-board, like, like, I'm not going to let you talk to anybody. Now, and as far as we don't know whether that actually happened or not, but... but yeah. 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 I mean, I think it raised issues, and, and I mean, everybody was ready to believe it at a moment's notice, you know. Uh, well, I think maybe the reason people are willing to believe it is because, for various structural reasons, so many comics news outlets <laughs> are kind of repeating press releases frequently. Right. And so you could see how a comic company might get spoiled by that. And be upset if someone said anything more critical than just saying this comic exists. Yeah, no, it's true. But I, I mean, I think it's very. So com- I think that's what people I are think, quick to believe. Right, and I think, but I, th- my point is, I think it's so competitive out there that uh, the outhouse staff make kind of creating their own content is probably better than getting the same content as everybody else. Yeah. You know, I mean, running a, re- yeah. I mean, original content is is what drives views and and makes. You know, makes comment. So, uh, you know, I, I, I just, I, I guess my thing is, I, 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 it's like when I worked at DC Comics long ago, and we would have our editorial meetings, and 
no one, you know, artists always say, I'm on a blacklist. I'm blacklisted at editorial. And no one ever uses the word blacklist. Okay. That is a fact. But at the same time, they'll be like, you know, oh, I don't, I would say don't work with that guy because, you know, he never meets his deadlines or I, he right. hit on my wife or, you know, something like that. But, uh, so it, the word blacklist probably wasn't used is but, what I'm getting at. But yeah, there might right. be a, a symbol of a different Right. Well, it's I think like a, a blacklist doesn't magically turn into not a blacklist if no one uses right. the word blacklist. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah. it wouldn't be the first time the comics community, all mass, say, grabbed the most inflammatory language possible. Yes, exactly. To describe so. a, a situation. Comics so. people on both sides of the aisle, both <laughs> publisher and fan, not well known okay. for uh, uh, measured language. Uh, so let's move on. Iron Man three, and I'm, since only you're the only one among us who've seen it. You rule the roost. Go for it. Okay. Um, I have to say I went into this movie highly skeptical because, one, I don't like darker and edgier, which is what the tra- oh, which translated to mean darker and more depressing, which is what the trailers made it look like. And two, I'll admit this, I kind of hated Iron Man too. So I was like, do You're we not need alone. another Iron <laughs> What Man about movie? Mickey Rourke? He was awesome. He was only well, in like two minutes. But, right, the, but the movie the, itself. The, the actors were fine. The script right. was terrible. Yes, yes. And it was not just like run-of-the-mill daredevil terrible. It was <laughs> like, what the hell it did was you do to this different kind of terrible. What the hell did you do to this perfectly good franchise? Terrible. So I was not even sure the world needed another Iron Man movie. But I went to see it anyway it's because good. I'm a fan and that's what we do. Um, and I saw it and I was shocked and astonished to find it was actually really Enjoyed it. Well, Shane Black. Yeah. Yes. Um, The one thing that I did feel was like transparent, hilarious corporate meddling was the fact that as a plot point, um, in order to soothe his tortured soul, Tony's been building like a large number of Iron Man suits. And what would have been believable for the amount of time it supposedly took place in um, would be like, I don't know, 15 suits. (laughs) But instead in the movie, because I think, because Disney wants to sell an incredible number of Iron Man toys, good luck with that, is they had him build, like, 47 suits. Mm-hmm. And right. you're just... Uh, it was Not just 52? Like, no. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Never the wrong mind. company. If That's it were true. DC, it would be 52. Maybe. And so, I mean, it became almost cartoonish, like, this ridiculous number of suits. And it was just like, hello, we're toyetic. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you well, can buy all of us ka-ching, in plastic. Ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. Um, but the rest of the movie was was really good. It was funny. Uh, it seemed like it was taking a wrong turn. Like I won't spoil what they did with it, but Mandarin, like both the casting and just the fact they used the Mandarin, had fans going, "What? What are you doing? Why do you think this is a good idea in 2013?" And I assure you, people who are afraid it's going to go to a scary racist place. <laughs> it didn't. It went to a hilarious place. Great. Good. Well, well I look forward to hopefully yeah, seeing yeah, it I'm, tomorrow I'm, morning. Yeah. But if if uh, at like eight a.m. No, not really. But well, uh, yeah, I hopefully. had been a little bit ill last week. I would have seen it sooner, but I'm going to see it this week. Mm-hmm. Nice. I yes, I uh, give it an A plus plus. Right. Wow, and Kate, I, two thumbs up. Yes, yeah. and I saw it with a friend who I didn't know until after we finished the movie uh, that she had never seen any of the other Marvel movies before. Wow, and she was like. Are all the Iron Man movies this good? And I had to be like, um, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> the first right. one is. Yes. All yep. right. Okay, moving on and to the briefs. And now it's time for the briefs. <laughs> Speaking of the success of Comic-Cons, 
Uh, Four-day tickets to this year's New York Comic Con have already sold out six months ahead of the show. Basically, it looks like we're up for record sales this year. For yeah, and uh, they're going to roll out uh, three-day passes and single-day passes over the next few months. So to prevent like a an implosion, a, they are yes, they're not going to do they're not going to do a one-day rollout of it. They're going to like do do it gradually yeah, so that there is more chance. Yeah, time, and also which I think is right. really good. But also, uh, they are going to use RFID te- technology in the badges for New York Comic Con. Uh, which is infrared, like basically you yes. won't be able to uh, counterfeit them, which is really important because if you've been to New York Comic Con the last couple of years, it's been kind of a death trap waiting to happen. And they're actually addressing that, which I think yeah. is really I, I will smart. I say, though, that having been to New York Comic Con, if, if someone shows up in the middle of the day, not in the very beginning when they're checking every badge religiously, and you just sort of like swarm in in a giant swarm of people... I'm pretty sure a lot of people got in there who had no badge of any kind, like, even well, count. Oh, I forget my badge, and I just, yeah. I mean, they I'm accidentally... They really work hard to, like, stop people. Uh, well, it's I mean, really Lance hard. has talked about well that. It's designed. The, co- the convention center is well yeah. designed to bring large masses of people in at once, not to have people security check, like, an airport. Right. Yeah. Every you know, one like, of a hundred it's, and it's kind of like a fans. crowd control problem that I can understand mm. might not be solvable. Right. Anyway. Moving on. J. Michael Straczynski, successful comic creator and the man behind Babylon 5, is returning to creator-owned comics with his own uh, image comics imprint, Joe's Comics. His first book under the new label is Ten Grand, and it's coming out this month, and has already sold over 67,000 copies in pre-order for a new, untested title from Image. Well, yeah. new one tested by JMS. The artist yeah. is Ben Templesmith. I mean, yeah. I would say that's as close yeah. to... People well, update I mean, JMS, and they definitely love their Ben Templesmith. Yeah. Well, it has a pedigree, but it's not a comic that anyone's ever read before, is what I mean. Yeah. Because the creators are not untested, but the comic is. Right, right, right. But I mean, I, I think and, this is... And let's, say that J- let's admit, JMS's record of comics is not spotless. Right. Some of them are great, and some of them have not been as great. He's yeah, controversial. And you know and some of them have been awful, and they've still sold really well. But anyway, go on. <laughs> well, but I mean, even in sale. But anyway, I just meant that, that this is apparently going creator-owned. is working very well for him, is what I'm saying. Yeah, but you know what? We were just talking about how um, the market's way more open to new material right now, and that's an incredible sign yeah. of health. Yes. yes. And, and absolutely. And, and I will say that, yes, having an indie imprint that he's going to control all of his own content, yeah. who's going to knock that? I think it's a great idea. Acclaimed director, Guillermo... Guillermo del Toro, known for his dark fantasy films, has announced that his new project will be based on Naoki Urasawa's manga Monster. Great, great. Hurrah, Urasawa! The 18-volume manga about a mass-murdering sociopath and the doctor who feels guilty for saving him is going to be turned into an HBO series. Mm That's fantastic. Anything to bring Yurasawa more attention. Uh, Seriously, his sales are the greatest. He's brilliant, but his sales in America are sad. Yes. And if he could have his own Scott Pilgrim moment, that would be great for him. Yeah, well. If he could only be as good as Bradley O'Malley. Yeah, right? Uh, That would be my dream team, Yurasawa and O'Malley, man. Yeah, Yeah, their content's very different, but I was thinking more of sales profile. There you go. And... Dark Horse Digital is not just for Dark Horse anymore. <laughs> they are now also, uh, digital, listen, kitty, Dynamite Entertainment's digital comics as well. 
Now, Dynamite is still going through Comixology and a yes. number of other shops, but they're also going through Dark Horse. They have their own digital store. Right. Dark Horse is alone amongst the big names in comics for having a strong digital presence, but not going through any of the middlemen, such as Comixology or Ivers. Yeah, well, that's still one of the... Uh, but maybe uh, they're trying to set themselves up as a rival. Well, who knows? Right? You know what? I would say if you built a big giant treehouse and only you went to the treehouse, you'd want some other people to see and use the treehouse to see how awesome it was, you know? Maybe. Yeah. So I think that's sort of... Uh, all right. Okay, so that's, that's it for this week, except for our special man on the ground, or in this case, woman on the ground, free comic book day interviews. Hi, so can you introduce yourself? Mike Novo, John Gorga. And um, can you tell me a little bit about your store? Let me see. We're the newest comic book store in the oldest part of New York. We just opened a couple days ago up here in the West Village in our uh, cozy little location, sharing space with the uh, non-imperialist, unoppressive bargain books. Um, it's an awesome situation, bookstore and a comic book store together. And we're rocking Free Comic Book Day here for the first time. The first Free Comic Book Day at uh, Carmine Street Comics. Uh, and it looks like you have an artist in residence up there? Yeah, the store has an official artist in residence. She's here you know, roughly on a weekly basis, but really she's here more often than that, being the official artist in residence. There's a whole program of rotating artists. I call it the Storefront Artist Program. And they're here um, for a few hours every week. Okay, uh, do you have anyone in particular who's scheduled to be here? Like, who is your artist in residence? Who are your other artists coming up? The official artist in residence is Ellen Steadfeld. Mm -hmm. um, and the other names we have lined up um, a, um, a gal who grew up down in Philadelphia and has moved up here quite recently, named uh, Dre Grigorpo. Mm -hmm. She actually writes a bit for the beat, mm -hmm. as well as make let me see. Who else do we have? There? Some, something interesting that's not really official yet, but um, just recently, our, one of our first guests was Amy Reader. Oh, who's, great! Who's done a lot of stuff for um, you know. So she's already been here. Yeah, she's already been here. She was she was here first thing in the morning. So so how is Free Comic Book Day treating you guys sales wise? Well. I mean, a lot of people who we haven't seen before, who I guess are you know just part of the neighborhood, and um, they're probably part of that crowd of people who's just really excited to have a comic book store back in the West Village. It's pretty awesome. Okay, thank you. No problem. But what I was going to say about Amy Reader is that. She was actually really excited about this whole artist at the window thing. So, like I said, it's un it's unofficial, but she says she's even planning on coming down here and, and, and drawing at the window, which is pretty awesome. Hi. So, can you introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Mitch. I'm from St. Mark's Comics in New York. And uh, how is Free Comic Book Day this year going? Free Comic Book Day is quite busy. We have again successfully dis demonstrated that if you give things away for free, people will take them. But uh, how are sales doing? Sales are okay. So compared to other years, how would you say this one's going? I would say that it's very, very busy, and as far as house sales are, it's it's too early in the day to really have an answer for that question. We're open until 1 o'clock in the morning, so... So Free Comic Book Day is going to be going on for a long time. All right, it's a long time before we can look at it and see how the money was, but certainly it's quite busy. Okay, thank you. You bet. Hi, can you introduce yourself? Uh, my name is Matthew Rosenberg, and I'm an employee of Forbidden Planet in New York City. And can you tell me about how Free Comic Book Day went here today? Uh, it was great, as always. Uh, there was people lined up at 6 a.m. three hours before we opened. And uh, we gave out more books than we've ever given out. 
Um, and would you say that sales are doing well today? Yeah, sales are great. It's uh, it's one of the best days of the year. Uh, you know, it, it, it rivals Christmas, and uh, for us, it brings a ton of people out, and people are really enthusiastic and excited about all the books, so uh, it's nice because you give out a lot of books to people who just want the free stuff, but it's nice that people come and stay because that's what we need, and that's why we do it. Thank you so much. Sure. All right, that was great. And just remember, next podcast, there will be more to come. More to, more to come. come.